Welcome to the Future Charlotte Podcast. I'm your host, Eli Portillo. I've spent more than a decade studying Charlotte, first as a journalist and now as assistant director of the UNC Charlotte Urban Institute. 20 years ago, this city looked radically different. No light rail, a smaller skyline, and breweries, what breweries? What will we look like in the next 20 years? That's what we're exploring on this show. Our guest today is Michael Smith, CEO of Charlotte Center City Partners. Thanks so much for taking the time and joining us today. Great to be with you, Eli. Well, big picture. Uh, I think we're all living through one of the weirdest years we've ever been through. It's totally unlike uh, any other, at least in recent memory. And to uh, just jump right into it, what is the state of Charlotte's center city and how are you seeing things play out with this pandemic? Yeah, this has been an incredibly challenging year for our center city, but it has been for downtowns all across the world. There's no uniqueness to that. Uh, the uniqueness comes to how every city responds differently. And it's uh, it has been a tough year, but I've been proud of the resilience of so many of our small businesses, the kind of support that our city has provided to small businesses. And then some of the initiatives that we've been able to launch from QC Cash, which is a gift card program for uptown businesses, to the Small Business Innovation Fund, which has created this great opportunity to invest in small businesses. But what you find right now is a city and a center city that is working very hard to position itself for the recovery. So... Let's take a, just a quick step back for people who aren't familiar with Charlotte Center City Partners and your work. Uh, what's been your role in helping our city grow um, the skyline that Charlotte takes a lot of pride in and uh, the vibrant center city that's, I think, for a lot of people, how they define Charlotte? So, Eli, we're a 42-year-old uh, private nonprofit, and we are uniquely missioned with the vibrancy of the center city so that it can serve as a foundation for a thriving regional economy. And that purpose has stayed with us across these four decades. Uh, we do this work leading with research and urban design, but we own the master narrative for the center city. We recruit investors, major employers, developers, and we try to all, we try to attract and shape those market forces to help us achieve our long-term vision plans. These long-term vision plans, our city has had an incredible discipline of creating and adopting every 10 years all the way back to 1966 with the Odell Plan. Talking about history a little bit, when I moved here in 2009, everyone, I think, kind of had the vision of an uptown where the sidewalks rolled up at 5 p.m. and everybody went home to the suburbs and there was you know, no nightlife. Everyone, when I worked in uptown, would tell me all the time, like, you wouldn't believe how empty it was when I moved here in the 80s or, you know, 1994 with the Street of Champions, sort of the Potemkin Village uptown for the NCAA Final Four. Everyone was just always kind of gushing about how how much had changed. And the few times I've been back to uptown since all this started, you know, without the, the office workers there during the daytime and without the sporting events or the nightlife at night, I kind of feel like I stepped back into history. I'm like, wow, this must be what they were talking about um, in the 80s. Do you ever look around and just worry, gee, I hope we're not going back there? No, I really don't. I, I believe 
that our city has had a taste of that urbanity. And there are so many people that have been a part of creating the incredible center city that we enjoy now. So you have all that creative energy. You've got major employers who have built so much of their company around being a part of the center city. It being this incredible recipe for attracting and retaining talent and providing you know, big city amenities in a town that is really still at a scale that's easy to navigate. And then you pair with that also decades of investments in infrastructure, both publicly and privately. And then the parties that own that, you know, when you think of the billions and billions of dollars uh, that are invested by institutional investors, by real estate investment trusts, by large corporations, whether that's hotels that are going to be driven for guests, apartments for residents, or uh, office commercial for, uh, for companies, we're all pulling in the same direction. And I think that creates an incredible alignment that will be important when we get back to a point where it's safe to come back together. And you're able to, you got to remember, this is a hierarchy of needs. And the foundation of that hierarchy is, is health and safety. And that creates an entirely different lens through which to look at everything. And when we're able to move up that hierarchy, I think we'll be able to bring back some of the, the values and benefits that make a center city such an important part of, of any culture. Yeah, I think that's one thing that a lot of people have been aware of is the need for gathering, connection, the things they've missed. You know, I know a lot of people don't miss their commutes, but do find themselves missing going to the coffee shop, meeting people for lunch, you know, stopping to get a beer with friends after work, whatever that might be. And I think you could make a, a case for a bullish case for the return of city life and not the bears case for the end of cities that you read a lot about these days. Is that the narrative that, that you're seeing play out here? Is that what you're expecting? Uh, pent up demand and a desire? I do not subscribe to the end of cities idea. Uh, cities have been tested for thousands of years and they continue to be an important part of civilization. Will there be a next normal coming out of this? Absolutely. This is the most shaping event of our generation. However, when you talk to major employers, they keep coming back to the fact that, you know, the, the core of a company is often its culture and its people. And you have to bring people together in order to share culture and build on culture. Innovation occurs in a much more effective and distinct way when you bring people together physically in ways that you can't do through these kinds of technology tools. And then lastly, and I think as importantly as anything else, the development of the next generation of executives and talent for each of these companies, uh, we've not figured out how to do it this way. And I think for all those reasons, you're gonna see our major employers on a timeline to restore the use of cities, the use of office space. And that plays such a big role in having a vibrant center city. You know, having you know, 120, 125,000 people a day 
coming in and supporting these small businesses and the vibrancy that it creates. Uh, it, but it begins with the workforce coming back. And then with that, then you can start to think about things like hospitality where you know, we enjoy 18 to 20 million guests for non-work purposes every year in the center city. And that doesn't happen when you're not hosting the cultural events, the sports events, um, concerts, you know, all, all the things that I know you, you and I miss so much. Even if you, know, you don't subscribe to the death of cities thesis, one thing people have written a lot about is the possibility of increased remote work, part-time, two days in the office, three days in the office, people moving to the country and coming in when they have a big project, that sort of thing. Does Uptown and the Center City work as well if that workforce isn't coming in every day and companies kind of embrace that three-day-a-week proposed mentality that folks are talking about now? Yeah, there is a next normal that's coming. And I think it will be on a curve that will go from the very limited number of repop, repopulated workforce that we are now to something like you just described, where there may be workers in shifts, ABC shifts, to hoteling, to the use of more technology and more remote work paired with this. Um, and I don't know what it'll look like in 10 years, but I know that over time density will return and even the increase of density to something that has more hoteling and more shared office space and less permanent addressing to a cube or to an office will bring so much of that vibrancy back to the center city. And we look forward to that, that step quickly. One thing that I've seen a lot in the national media, I think I just saw a story about it today in the Atlantic, is the decline of superstar cities, you know, New York, LA. Do you think that Charlotte is well positioned to benefit from that if that is a true trend that develops as people want more space, don't see the need to live in New York, that sort of thing? We think that is a real opportunity for Sunbelt cities. And we think that Charlotte is very well positioned to be able to compete for that. It's, it's our climate. It's the fact that we're a, we're a big enough city to be able to offer big city amenities, yet we are not completely transit dependent. I think that's one of the harder things for the superstar cities is that transit dependency uh, while we are working through a global pandemic. And we are already seeing the, the benefits of this. And the benefits will be in the talent that wants to relocate, and it'll be in the companies that want to move to places where it's easier to attract and retain talent. Uh, our airport will play a super role in that because of our connectivity to so many other great cities around the world. And again, we, we are starting to see the, the benefits of where we're positioned. Yeah, I think that's one thing that I've been trying to think of the COVID pandemic as is not necessarily something creating totally new trends, but something accelerating a lot of previous trends that were already going on. And you know, just based on the number of people I've met who moved here from New York, obviously that's a huge trend that was already underway. And so much of our job growth in 2019 pre-pandemic 
was corporations moving out of the Northeast, moving out of the Midwest, coming into Charlotte. And to your point, I think this is an acceleration of some of those trends. One thing that's gotten a lot of attention recently is the homeless crisis that we've seen with the uh, tent city encampment. And just, I think it's come up at pretty much every county meeting and a lot of the city meetings as well. What can you tell me about what's driven that and what people are doing in Center City to respond to and help with that situation? So we welcome the attention. Uh, When you really look at the statistics, there has not been a statistically significant increase in the amount of homeless. They are just very, very present because now we've got a tent encampment that's uh, not hidden. It's, It's in plain sight. And Charlotte is responding. I mean, I've, I've always thought that the more that we make our community aware of this housing crisis and this crisis of mental health and substance abuse, uh, the better our community will respond to it. Uh, there are a number of initiatives going on. The, the county has uh, always provided really great leadership there and is our leadership organization. We've got incredible nonprofits that come together through the continuum of care. Uh, I'm particularly encouraged by the work of Roof Above and what they've been able to do with buying motels to provide an expansion of the shelter system, but moving those into single site locations for permanent supportive housing, really as, as a part of our housing first initiative as a community. And then we've got another initiative that uh, we're helping pull together where we've retained McKinsey and Company, working with many of the partners that provide homeless services, uh, a number of center city businesses and with Mecklenburg County and the city uh, to put together a strategic plan. And, you know, we're not the experts on this. We're just, we're fortunate to have incredible relationships with people that care about our community. And this crisis of homelessness, uh, we've seen play out in very dramatic ways, particularly on the West Coast, uh, some of their larger cities. And Charlotte still has an ability to get ahead of it and to provide meaningful ways to be able to address uh, to address the crisis that, you know, I'm told by the experts that a housing crisis is addressed through housing. And I look forward to working with a steering committee and a technical committee uh, between now and midsummer when we'll be uh, introducing a strategic plan. I think you're someone who's personally really identified with the growth of, of Uptown and South End. Obviously, that's been your professional work for a long time. What's it been like working as, in a lot of ways, one of the most visible faces of the center city during this last year when companies are working from home and Every week there's, you know, some other new 10,000 word magazine piece about how cities are done. What's it been like working this past year in your field? Uh, it's been incredibly difficult, not, not just for me, but for our entire team. We're a mission-based organization and the challenges that we're facing are once in a generation and there's no playbook. So it has required uh, incredible creativity, some long hours and working with a lot of really important partners that are struggling mightily. And uh, we don't take that lightly. 
I mean, these, these are great small business entrepreneurs who relied upon a large daily workforce <laughs> to provide the services that they, uh, they innovated. And, you know, we have looked at this in kind of six month strategic planning segments. <clears throat> We're working our way through the second segment of that right now. And the thing that I continue to be struck by, though, is when you look at the data of our state of the center city report and you look at the fundamentals of this city, I am very hopeful. And I have a deep belief that in the recovery, Charlotte will be positioned better than our competitors to compete for jobs, investment and talent. And that's going to be where the proof is. And I think it's the resiliency of you know, a, a lot of great entrepreneurs, uh, some incredible leadership uh, from our elected bodies, and just uh, the immediacy that's put to this, you know, built on top of the foundation of the work that's been done over the prior decades, you know, particularly around building a great center city. Looking at those numbers, there's just an incredible amount of development still underway and coming. I think 3.9 million square feet of office space, more than 2,000 hotel rooms. Or why do you think we've not seen the sort of total stop that came after the 2009 recession when there were buildings that just kind of stopped cold and it seemed like for a little while there, uh, Charlotte, like a lot of other places, was kind of just frozen. When you walk around or drive around Center City now, there's still tons of construction activity. I mean, you can, you can see it everywhere. It is a reinforcement of the thesis that I just offered about why I'm optimistic about our center city. And that is that institutional investors are still subscribing to the promise of the city. Uh, their timeline is not one year, 18 months, 36 months. Uh, it is the life of the asset that they would be a part of creating. And we think that's why you still see 3.9 million square feet of office. Uh, that's a big bet. That, that requires a lot of uh, organic and, and new company growth uh, in order to, to need that kind of space. Uh, but it's, it's also, it's a bet on this place. It's a bet on this people and the infrastructure that's here. And part of the thesis that you shared earlier about Charlotte being a net winner uh, as things start to settle coming out of the, uh, the COVID health and economic crisis. And are there any segments um, within that that you think will be faster or slower out of the gate when things get back to um, a new normal? I, I wonder particularly about hospitality, which I could see a case where there's big pent-up demand and people start traveling like crazy, or a case where there's lagging demand, there's less business travel, and it takes a lot longer to get back to normal. What do you think? I think that there is incredible pent-up demand. Uh, I think we can look to the history of coming out of the pandemic of uh, 1918, you know, right into the roaring 20s. I think that there's enough pent-up demand. I'm dying to go out and hear live music. You know, as soon as uh, we get an all clear, I'm going to fill my calendar. <laughs> and can't wait to be with old friends and being able to enjoy that. I think that a lot of the driver for hospitality is going to be local at first. 
And then I think we will then ramp up the engine because I think people will want to enjoy the cities they live in first and then travel will return. I think it'll be personal travel first and then it'll be business travel, which are both really important to our hospitality economy. We've got some incredible new hotels that I think are going to be a real draw. And, you know, hospitality works in clusters, so that'll be good for our legacy hotels as well when that comes back. Yeah, I actually had not been uptown since the Grand Bohemian opened and recently just went to take a walk and was walking down Trade Street and just said, you know, wow, <laughs> that was a, I think that was a steel skeleton the last time I was there. So that was pretty, pretty surprising to see. So let's just, let's talk non-COVID. What's something totally unrelated to COVID, if that's possible, that you're excited about uh, coming to Charlotte? Uh, we're working very hard on our 2040 vision plan. And I'm so grateful that we were working on it now because it's given us a license to look beyond the, the, the surf, beyond the waves uh, to a city that we aspire to become. And we were able to invite many in our community into a conversation about you know, what are your hopes and dreams for your center city and for your region? And we've worked with uh, MIG, which is the same firm that's also doing the comprehensive plan for Charlotte and Mecklenburg County. And it's, it's full of big ideas, uh, programs, projects, uh, incredible focus areas. I think there's uh, nine of them that are in the plan. <clears throat> and our city does an incredible job of fulfilling these vision plans. When you look at what was in the 2020 vision plan, uh, it's like 85% of it is either underway or completed. And that's, uh, we will be introducing that to the public uh, in a draft form and beginning an adoption process in March, April, and May. Uh, and we're excited about that. I just have one question about that, which is, does it have a zoo in it? Which I think is still one of the things, I think it was in the Odell plan that when I went back and read that, I thought, man, that would have been cool. Yeah, it's uh, there's no zoo recommended in this plan. Well, we'll see what we can do. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and another thing that I think is on a lot of people's minds this year, and of course involves Center City is transit and plans for the Silver Line the opening of the gold line. What do you think the future of transit looks like in Charlotte? There's obviously been a big decline in ridership during all this, but we're planning to make really significant investments, billions of dollars over the next decade or so. Yeah, for, for these first handful of decades uh, of this century, there's not bigger infrastructure moves that our community is doing. And it is an opportunity for us to express our values in incredibly specific ways. Each one of those stations uh, represents a place for us to, uh, to drive economic development, to create opportunities, to create uh, a mix of affordability around housing. Um, it's this overlay across a 250 year old city that transforms every place it touches. Uh, I think the Silver Line, both the Silver Line itself, every station and the rail trail that will accompany it are going to be an incredible opportunity connecting east and west. 
We've seen the power of the blue line north and south. Streetcar testing begins uh, maybe as early as this week. Look forward to getting that open. And yeah, these moves on transit systems, it's, it's 100 year thinking. I mean, there's so much when you look at the decisions made in some of our older transit oriented cities like Boston, New York, Chicago, and you see the way they've developed over time because of those moves. That, those are the kinds of moves that our city is making at this time. I'm, I'm quite excited about it. And there's good thinking coming out of this administration on early days about their commitment to transit investment. Uh, that would be a nice compliment to some of our local thinking. Final question to just wrap things up. Um, if you had a magic wand, your emperor for the day, however you want to describe it, what's something you would change about Center City and uh, and why? You know, if you could just wave your wand and make it happen. And you can't say zoo. Hey, that's a great one, Eli. I can't say zoo. I can't say flood 277 like many like to do. <laughs> but that's always a popular one online. You know, I mean, right now, I, I, I would restore the vibrancy. I, I would have the workforce back. I would have our sports and cultural venues thriving with incredible off-Broadway shows and being able to see this, uh, this new Hornets team uh, that leads the league in assists. It would definitely about be about bringing people back, and it's such an incredible reminder that you know all that we've built in the center city, all those are are reasons to bring people together. I mean, it's not about apartments; it's about residents. It's not about hotels; it's about guests, and that that would be that that is our our longing, <laughs> our deep and real longing, and. But we're, we're all feeling it. Uh, ours is just much more dramatic. And uh, we, we look forward to that for all these small business operators. If I were to add to it, I would also add what is embedded deeply in the 2040 Center City Plan. And that's we're aspiring for a center city that is incredibly inclusive, that acts on these, this awakening that we have had as, as a country and a world and makes incredibly concrete moves to have many more diverse businesses, to have a much more inclusive and welcoming place. And it's, I think it's something our city is up to. And where can people go if they want to uh, find out more about the Center City Vision Plan, the work you're doing, um, State of the Center City Report, which will be out by the time this debuts. Uh, so visit our website for the State of the Center City Report, which is charlottecentercity.org. Uh, there is a website you can find from that or go directly to it, which is the all-in uh, all plan. If you Google it that way, the all-in Center City Charlotte plan, and you'll be able to then get to that plan and see where we are and be able to follow us through an adoption process and see some of the renderings that are a part of it, some of the big ideas, and there's really small tactical ideas, and then there's giant ideas that are a part of it as well. And our hope is that it inspires our community across these next two years uh, to fulfill the promise that was handed down to us. Uh, these are the kinds of moves that we're making as our responsibility to the next generation so that we can make the 
kind of quality handoff that we received and the thing that drew us all to want to raise our families here in Charlotte. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I hope it's not too long before we can get back to that vibrant center city and maybe see each other in person. Sounds great, Eli. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on the Future Charlotte podcast, produced by me, Eli Portillo, at the UNC Charlotte Urban Institute. Keep looking to the future, Charlotte.